Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Film Pigs Podcast. This is a podcast all about the movies in the middle of a global pandemic. The movies are dying. No one can go to the movies. So the it's movies mostly, are dying. I, I guess, yeah, I guess it's a podcast now about streaming services. <laughs> uh, I, I'm your host, uh, Steve Skelton. I'm here with fellow film pig, uh, Todd Robert Anderson. Welcome to Netflix Pigs. <laughs> and uh, our third pig, uh, Stephen Falk, isn't available uh, this time, so it's another bacon episode, folks. Uh, very last rotating. minute, just so yeah, very last you know. minute, last minute uh, delay. Uh, so uh, hopefully there will be a Christmas miracle in December, and uh, we'll get a regular episode in before uh, the end of uh, this absolute garbage year. Uh, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Like you know, it's. The year gets uh, a month in the from way now. Of, it's gonna yeah. feel like four years from now. So uh, who knows what's gonna happen? But uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's. Uh, I don't know. We got a little. Let's. What's been happening in the in the movie news? At least let's check out some movie news. Well, I, the movie news that I had, had I had planned to bring was. It's very simple. Um, it. I was just gonna run down the top box office, top five box office of this past weekend. Cause I, I thought it was just sort of interesting that they're still, they still are tallying that because the numbers are like, it's 3 million. It made $3 million, which is right. You know, for me, that sounds like a, a wonderful amount of money to just give me directly. But no, I wish I, yeah, I wish my opening weekend made $3 million. <laughs> yeah, Give my opening weekend $3 million, but that's all it takes these days, which is interesting. So it's interesting what's scoring. So the fifth right now at the box office is honest thief. The new Liam Neeson's movie. Do you Ooh, know about Liam Neeson's? Yeah, it's a Liam Neeson's. Are you aware of the Honest Thief? Or it's just no, I wasn't Honest. actually. Yeah, it's a, a new PG thirteen Neeson's movie. You know, like a heist gone wrong that requires some kind of revenge. It's like Taken, but a heist, I guess. Okay, well, I'm hoping it's more like a Taken with some more action than than uh, is more like slow burn semi thrillers. Like that snow thing with the snow plow. The snowplow, yeah, the snowplow that made it seem like it was going to be some have some good action, but it was really just kind of Liam Neeson wandering around for a while. Yeah, and every now and then he'd run into William Forsythe, which is great. Yeah, yeah, no, which you know, I that's you know, I I enjoy both of them, but that's not what I was expecting. No, I wonder if we watched it again though, knowing that it's not an action film, it's just like a crime, organized crime thriller is it a thriller yeah yeah i guess it's more of like a thriller so yeah maybe in that light because i because i i think it was the the advertising was made it seem like it was more uh a Liam Neeson action show yeah yeah that's and that, and that i feel like this and it is wasn't like, and that upset us but it like when i went back and rewatched boiling point after being uh disappointed by it the first time in the theater uh, Which one was Boiling Point? It's Wesley Snipes and uh, 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 Dennis Hopper. Oh, I thought I was like I, I don't think there's a Liam Neeson movie called Boiling Point. No, no, I'm I'm a, I mean I, there could be. I'm equating the experience of seeing the yeah. trailer and being like, oh, awesome! This looks like a crazy action movie. It's going to be another, you know, Dennis Hopper's the bad guy again, so it's going to yep. be crazy. He'll blow stuff up, and Wesley Snipes has jumped out of planes and and fought with Chris Rock and all these great things. So I thought it was going to be awesome, but it's not. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a slow moving thriller. There's no action in it. There's like one gunfight yeah. at one point, which made up the whole trailer. Um, and that's the way I felt about the Liam Neeson movie that we talked about. I don't even remember what it was called. What was it? I don't remember either. I just, but it was just William Neeson or Liam Neeson and William Forsyth. That's all I remember. It was like a remake of a Norwegian movie, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but I keep wanting to say Le Force Majeure, but that's not... That's the no, thing with Will Ferrell. No, not that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my, uh, my movie news... Oh, wait, uh, I didn't was, even... I, I haven't oh, even finished. That was just oh, number five. We didn't even, no, no. Oh, are we on I a tangent already? Yeah, this yeah. really is a bacon episode. Uh, number four at the box office is a PG 13 horror movie called come play, which looks boring. Uh, number three is the war with grandpa, 
starring Robert De Niro. What? Yeah, there's a movie. It's De Niro is the grandpa who gets in a war with his grandson and his like best friend is Christopher Walken or something. Oh, so it's going to be one of those like really bad De Niro comedies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like I think you can VOD most of these at the same time. <laughs> I'm not going to demand that on video. No, I why would you? Uh number 4 is Let Him Go which is a a Kevin Costner and Diane Lane drama about the two of them going to try and find their long-lost grandson after they learn of the death of their son, which sounds... It sounds like a pick-me-up. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. And then number one is a horror movie, a Blumhouse horror movie called Freaky, in which uh, a serial killer played by Vince Vaughn Oh yeah, switches okay, bodies so. with a, a teenage girl. That's currently yeah. number one at the box office. With like it like took down like two and a half million dollars or something crazy like that. Well, it makes sense that like that's the most ridiculous remove from current reality uh, concept. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, I totally believe that that's the number one box office right now because it's, you know, like, oh, wait, do I want to see, you know, Kevin Klein and Diane Lane, you know, go on a search for a, a maudlin search for family? I'm sorry. Did I say Klein? I meant Costner. Did I say Klein? Costner? You might have said Costner. I don't know. Uh, and whatever I said, I apologize. Yeah, so that's not a, but yeah, so, but yeah, if you're going to choose, like, today, if you're going to ha- make the choice between that and, like, Vince Vaughn pretending he's a little girl who stabs people, okay, I'm going to go see that. Yeah, sure. Because that's, that, that's, that's going to, oh, has the best possible chance of knocking my brain out of reality for 90 minutes. Sure, yeah, that or Unhinged with Russell Crowe, either of those would be fine. Like, if I was going to go to a drive-in, I would seek out a double feature of those two titles. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Freaky, this movie, Freaky, I'm. it wouldn't have been released in theaters, never mind being number one at the box office, if it weren't for COVID. Oh, yeah. No, There's no, no, no way. All things being equal, that would have been a streaming service only. Uh Yeah. Yeah, it would have been one of those Blumhouse... Well, I guess Vince Vaughn tips the scales a little bit, but there's yeah, so many... Yeah, I guess maybe, yeah. It being a Blumhouse, I mean, I think that's kind of... I think Probably, it's... You know, if things were non-pandemic-y, that's probably like a coin flip between getting a release and going straight to video. Well, and let's be honest, I mean, most of Vince Vaughn's movies in the last several years have gone straight to video, so... yeah. I, it would be surprising if this was different. Um, no, no, it's mostly you get Vaughn on demand. Yeah, yeah, it's VOD. Yeah, yeah, Vaughn on yeah. demand. Yeah, that's what VOD stands for. I, I assume. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought this whole time. I don't know why. My uh, my movie news was uh, is that uh, uh, Gina Carano has uh, opened an account on Parlor. The uh, ultra right wing uh, Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, in you know in a in a in a se- late the latest in a series of uh, like real boneheaded uh, moves like you know she first was got in hot water for mocking pronouns um, <laughs> and is then now been posting you know. You know, hey, you know, we got to make sure elections are free, free and fair. You know, posts like they haven't just been, you know, certified as like the most secure elections we've had in decades. Uh, this particular election, somehow, um, but you know, like can't have this voter fraud when there isn't really any voter fraud, and when there is, it's Republicans doing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but even, but even then, it's statistically insignificant levels of uh, fraud. So. Yeah, that's the latest thing. Um, is uh, is she's announced? You know, come follow me on 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 Parlor, and now now there's like petitions to just get her thrown off Mandalorian, uh, and <laughs> yeah, she deserves it. If that's which is her you know thing. it's too late to do that for this current season because uh, it's already done for yeah. a while. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I'm I I I'm gonna my big guess is gonna be if she keeps doubling down on this like right wing stuff, but really like, like, 
like the really kind of like dumb right wing stuff, which is like there's no thought behind what she's posting. She's just parroting, you know, uh, you know, right wing talking points. She's so like a Kirstie Alley really or a James Woods yeah. or a yeah. or a yeah. Kevin Sorbo. Uh, yeah. So she's not my 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 guess is that she's not um, her character's not going to be killed off in this season. Um, but I'm guessing if she you know keeps on this track that they're just not gonna ask her back especially since they just the last episode just had katie sackhoff on oh, uh-huh. um doing the live action version of her cartoon character and it was a big hit so they're like well if we want a badass lady we we'll bring, back season, we bring yeah. katie sackhoff yeah, back. yeah uh she's fun yeah uh so and uh and she has a jetpack so you know that's even better mm-hmm it's weird how many uh, people are in this cult and how much that kind of bleeds over into everything. You know, all facets of our lives, regardless, are being affected yeah. by this cult. Yeah. Because I don't dislike Gina Carano as an entertainer. I don't want no. her to uh, be this way. But, you know, it's hard to rectify giving her any more money if uh yeah. if, if she's going to continue on this nazi path that she's yeah, chosen you, yeah yeah you can't su- yeah you can't support that i mean that's just that that's just the bottom line yeah it's like it's not that i dislike her at all i've enjoyed it. i liked her in mandalorian i liked haywire you know and um and uh so you know she's been very entertaining but it's just like wow that's like okay mhm you know that's that's kind of like a that, that's kind of like the like Follow me on parlor is kind of the, you know, the cutoff, a real, a, a good, a good, clean cutoff <laughs> for like, okay, not you anymore. I'll yeah. find someone else to uh, enjoy in action movies. This is, Carano is exactly who Kurt Russell was talking to when he said that shit in his interview <laughs> oh, that everybody's yeah. mad about where he said. I know, but that's also, that's like Kurt Russell is like, I'm an old, rich, white entertainer this is a very easy thing for me to say yeah exactly but <laughs> because nothing affects me because i'm an old white rich guy yeah it doesn't matter i'm gonna keep i'm gonna stay out of this that's what yeah. he was saying i i can afford to stay out of this because even if things go south it still won't affect me right well and look i mean and look at his co-stars over the years i mean there was a movie called tequila sunrise that he made with mel gibson and they seemed to have a lovely chemistry on that movie yeah. so obviously you know there are friendships that he's seen dashed due to uh political and socio-political honesty i guess so he's probably scared of that yeah i mean i think but i think he's also just it's uh he's a you know, ultimately a pretty conservative guy. So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, he's and not in necessarily in the super Republican sense, although he probably is. Um, but uh, but it's it. I mean, that statement of like, you know, entertain we're court jesters and should shut up about stuff um, is I mean, that's the statement that a rich, comfortable person gets to make mm-hmm. and no one else does. Mm-hmm. Uh, a rich, comfortable white person, mm-hmm. white man gets to make that no one else can really make. And so it's like it's a there's a level of disconnect and ignorance in that statement that is disappointing because I also like I really like Kurt Russell. I've always loved Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, as an entertainer, but he's also seemed like he was a stand up guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but eh, I guess that's mostly more of his characters. Uh Ultimately, yeah. Well, and he's and he's got a, a undeniable charm to him, and you don't yeah. want that charm to be Mel Gibsony. But the truth is, Mel Gibson had an amazing amount of charm uh, back in the eighties yeah. before he was skewered uh, by social justice warriors or whatever it was. Um, and well, then no, he I think lost. It was, I think it was. I think it was. He, he got skewered by Mel Gibson. He's he got skewered by his dad and Catholicism and his own Mel Gibson shit. Yeah, and, yeah, his, yeah. and his own shit behavior. Well, I'm just saying, after he did all that shit behavior, like the charm left him. I mean, in his modern performances, he doesn't have that charm. He just has the awfulness. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's yeah, there's definitely bitterness there. Yeah, uh, you know that uh, is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. the The charm has gone. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, but yeah. When you 
when you have some of those police recordings and phone call recordings <laughs> that kind of yeah that's kind of you know and he had you know uh uh you know megawatts worth of charm in the 80s and <laughs> managed to burn that all down yeah yeah, so. that's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. But he had a joy to him. I mean, I think that's what the charm is. There's a, a joyfulness to, you know, performances that he doesn't have in his straight to video movies. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like he comes. Well, from but a I bet a lot of it is is you know a lot. But a lot of that I think is because there's never been any r- reconciliation. No. Um, for his behavior. No. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem to have made any you know major efforts to rehabilitate his image in any way or take responsibility uh for his behavior in a way that that could have uh you know generated a comeback yeah because because i mean because that's the other thing about like you know hollywood is super forgiving of white dudes Mm -hmm. so you know there you know he he could have if he'd really worked, if he'd worked at it and been sincere about it, he, I think he could have made a comeback because his fall really happened before the Me Too era and before the seismic shift when, you know, that type of comeback would have been more feasible and possible for him to pull off. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed, as opposed to now when it's, you know, because ultimately it is still kind of bullshit. So, uh, but. You know he could have clawed his way back, and uh, he. I think you know. I don't know. I guess that was too much work for him, or he didn't want to do it, or. Well, as it is, Fat Man will be available on VOD uh, this <laughs> holiday season. So you know. So yeah, viciousness on demand. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Fat Man. Um, is a, a point of interest for me because the director of photography on Fuzz Track City was DP on Fat Man. Oh, did yeah. he? Oh, wow. So okay. he posts on Facebook all the time, you know, about about it. Um, so that's interesting. All right. Well, that's uh, meandering uh, bacon news. Yeah, well, what do you want? I mean, this is last yeah. minute. We didn't have any time to prepare. <laughs> Well, no, but we're doing. I'm using my uh, discussion theme you're, that we're going to talk about. Why are you pull, I prepared that. Why are you pulling back the curtain on this? I mean, it, oh, I had a, yeah, no, no, oh no, no. I had lowered the bar just, sufficiently so people wouldn't everyone. expect too much. <laughs> now, now the well, I didn't. I mean, I didn't prepare it very well. If that helps. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about uh, this podcast genre mashups. Uh, something that can either lead to inspired storytelling like Blade Runner or uh, a by the bullet points as they come exercise like cowboys and aliens. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So Merriam-Webster defines mashup as something created by combining elements from two or more sources, such as a movie or video having characters or situations from other sources. Now, what distinguishes a mashup from another movie that employs multi-genre elements is a bit of in the eye of the beholder, but can mostly be, be identified as two strong but different genre elements constantly being juxtaposed. Uh, a sci-fi world uh, plus noir presentation, like in Blade Runner, uh, or uh, whereas something like The Incredibles employs sci-fi, comic book, and family comedy elements. Those elements blend together without calling as much attention to themselves individually, so I wouldn't. So that's not really a mashup. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I think for our purposes, our, our discussion purposes. Um, so, uh, for example, a common mashup we see in movies is the science fiction western, like the aforementioned Cowboys and Aliens, a more literal mashup of the two genres, and Outland, uh, or the more recent uh, movie Prospect, which is uh, jumped into my head because it I just it just showed up on Netflix. I haven't I haven't um, watched that yet. I do want to watch it. And it's a it's a sci-fi tale that that heavily borrows from Western tropes. It also stars uh, the Mandalorian's Pedro Pascal. Now, is is uh, is is Westworld a a mashup? Um, well, I guess we could talk about that because I mean, it kind of. I mean, it's more. I think that's more of a. That's an interesting way, uh, an interesting uh, uh, example because it's definitely a science fiction movie. Um, but then the worlds themselves, I don't, I don't think I would call that a mashup because it's, a, it's got, it's got, it's got like Western and medieval worlds, but they're not, it's not like 
the the western part is 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 not uh, an element of the of the story. It's a function of the park. So it's more like a that it's more like that that's like a time travel movie, like a, a timeline. Where you wind up? No, it's not a time travel movie because it's a it's like a dress. No, no, I'm saying, but it's like that in the sense that the the place you go that feels a little bit mashupy is part of a yeah. sci-fi narrative. It's not. It's like, really. It's like so. For example, I got you know some of the examples that I would call mashups. Um, and again, this is you know mashup is a term you hear a lot, but it's it's a it's loosey goosey definition mm, really. Mm. Um, um, because, and I got some of the, the discussion questions address that, but, you know, just a, a short list um, of, of mashups. You got your Blade Runner that we talked about, Cowboys and Aliens, which is pretty literal. Mm. Um, I would call even Wild Wild West uh, a mashup because that's kind of a sci-fi western as well. Um, mm. And then uh, some other literal kind of like very uninspired uh, mashups like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, Okay. Um, sure. You know, is really cramming two disparate uh, uh, styles together. Uh, that uh, kids uh, musical, gangster musical, Bugsy Malone. Oh, sure. I'd definitely call that a mashup. Um, also insane and mm-hmm. uh, nightmare inducing. Uh, so, so I just had some of the just a few of the the points. Uh, thought we, we could discuss uh, would be uh, do you consider a mashup to only include mixing of film genres or do you also consider a mixing of filmmaking styles valid as a mashup for example uh, the Blair Witch Project popularizing the documentary and found footage styles to the point that those styles almost feel like a subgenre when employed especially in horror movies uh, and is a mashup even really a thing? How do we really tell the difference between a mashup and a movie that employs multi-genre elements to tell their stories? Coen Brothers movies can almost be defined as mashups, depending on how loose you want to define the term, with a lot of the kind of the styles and genres that they play with. Uh, and then, and then finally, you know, let's talk about you know what our favorite mashup style movies are: your Blade Runners. Um, well, oh, oh, I won't, I won't read anymore because that's my list of favorites. But uh, I don't mind hearing your list of favorites. If you'd like, well, we'll get to if you'd it. You'd like to share. We'll get to it at the end of the discussion. Okay, so, fine. Yeah, so let's just start. Like, what what do you consider? What would you consider a mashup, um, um, in film? You know, just uh, based on that kind of loose definition I'd provided so far. I mean, the first thing that jumps into my mind is a current, you know, a movie a couple years old now, uh, Overlord. Which is uh, yeah. uh, uh, just a war movie with uh, zombie Nazis in it, or I don't know what are they mutated were they, zombies? I think they were ex- they were they were like ex- they were they were they presented as zombies, but they were like experimental. Right, they're twenty eight days they, later like horror, zombies. But it was a horror, yeah. It was like a World War Two horror mashup. Yeah, I mean it's which is also pretty com- which is a common World War Two is a common. Uh, see a genre used to uh, plug into matchups because look at comic book movies, Captain America. That's yeah. a, that's a World War Two, you know, superhero mashup. Well, you've said that a lot of times. Is the most effective Marvel movies are movies that are really mashups with other genres. You've said that yeah. before. Yeah, that's a yeah, and that's yeah, that's the the at least the ones that I like the best are. Yeah, I was just watching um, Dead Snow Two, mm-hmm. Red versus Dead. Which is different. Yeah, which is another World War Two zombie. Yeah, uh, it's it's mashup. Yeah, and it's a war. It's a tank war movie. It's got a tank in it, and it's about two, you know, uh, groups of soldiers from different countries fighting. But then there's the people who have to deal with the fact that they're undead at the same time. But I don't know, is that a mashup or is it just a clever use of zombie storytelling? I don't know cuz Overlord like I, starts like a war movie. It feels like a war movie. And yeah. that's sort of what's cool about Overlord. I I know people who don't like it and I don't trust those people. <laughs> but for, I I really like it um as a great, you know, B movie, but it feels like a war movie but it's got zombies in it versus Dead Snow 2 feels more like a zombie movie that's got a few war movie tropes in it maybe. 
Right. Yeah. Well, I think maybe, but that's you know, just that just might be a function of the sequel as well, too. Where it's like, okay, what story are we going to tell now? Because we're going to do another one, where you know the the initial concept is, oh yeah, we're just jamming these two, you know, different ideas together. And once you've done that once, it's okay. What what do we do next? And then that might require you know bringing in a third element of some kind, which kind of dilutes the mashup because the mashup seems to be like. You know, at least, you know, with, you know, what I'd said earlier, from my point of view anyway, it's like something that has two very strong either genre or stylistic elements Mm -hmm. that normally don't get you go together. Mm -hmm. You know, World War II and zombies, science fiction, film noir, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, before Blair Witch, it was even, you know, I, I think you can make the argument of like horror and. Uh, documentary style even though I think there was earlier examples of that but if you consider 1979 if you consider alien mm-hmm. is that kind of a mashup I I would I I, I from my perspective it, that feels like a mashup of sci-fi and horror and classic horror yeah. Um, because it was it was very specifically I think and I think that was very specifically you know the the intent of the movie was to you know tell a horror movie in a science fiction setting, which you know, it's kind of been done a little bit before, but not as explicitly using kind of the the established horror tropes mm-hmm. uh, that Alien uses that Ridley Scott employs and the script employs. Um, you know, kind of because by '79 there's you know some pretty clear horror genre rules uh, for those types of monster movies, like a monster you know relentlessly pursuing uh, victims and alien follows a lot of those tropes. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So I would definitely, you know, consider that a mashup sci-fi and horror that's on my list. And then you could also, I mean, using the same logic, you could say that that it's sequel is a mashup. Um, and you could also kind of say that predator is a mashup of an eighties, action movie straight up 80s action movie with an alien in it you know what i'm saying yeah no it is it's kind of like it's yeah it's that kind of like uh very it i mean it's basically like commando but with a alien in it yeah <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's really just they're like it's like they it's like literally commando came out and they went let's do that just put an alien in it yeah yeah exactly so does i'm assuming i think commando came out first didn't it uh yes yeah commando yeah. is one of the first ones that made him a big star there was terminator so, and then commando yeah predator was after that yeah but uh when yeah, did raw so, deal come that's the real question <laughs> red heat what's red heat a mashup <laughs> it's a mashup of arnold schwarzenegger and jim Belushi. <laughs> it's a great mashup <laughs> but uh yeah but yeah but in sci-fi and horror you know kind of have always gone together in a certain in in i mean you go even you know go back you know in the 60s and 50s in sci-fi and horror were always kind of being mashed together in in different ways and uh and a and horror horror franchise sticks around long enough you get your jason x yeah and that's a mashup i was gonna say yeah that's that's absolutely mashup. mashup yeah for sure i mean and that's like a real like it's like a not i think that's also kind of the key to defining a mashup as if we even really need to do that this is kind of uh, ultimately i think pointless but uh <laughs> well talking about movies at this point if it ever yeah. had a point it definitely doesn't now <laughs> but yeah but it's but it's like it's it's you know what makes jason x a good mashup is that it really plants its two disparate elements stakes in the ground super strongly <laughs> they go very heavily into the sci-fi setting and then very heavily into Jason stalking around with his machete killing people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, by the same logic, a much lesser movie, granted, uh, because Jason X, obviously, is one of the best American films of all time. Oh, easily. Easily. It's going to be studied for generations. (laughs) It will be considered the... David Cronenberg movie eventually even it's though it's going to he... be the only movie that survives uh, the collapse of America 
And it, so it'll be the only artifact left uh, to <laughs> study. It's an X. This is this is the pinnacle of American filmmaking, and the at pinnacle least, of America. At least it's what we could find. It's a, it's like all the, those AI robots in the far future. <laughs> that's what they're gonna find. <laughs> they're gonna find they're gonna find the the the, the, the Haley Joel Osment and his teddy bear and a, a Blu-ray of Jason X. <laughs> so, by the same logic that Jason X is a mashup then so should Halloween Resurrection be considered a mashup. Because you, what you mentioned two? Blair Witch before as its own kind of mashup, right? Yeah. So Resurrection... Well, I, I, I mentioned that as, d- does that count? Do we think that counts? I don't, because, I don't know. Yeah. But, but if Jason X is a mashup, then Halloween Resurrection is also a mashup of a Halloween sequel... And a found footage movie, it, that's that would be the mashup there, I would say. Yeah, no, and that's but then that was the question I was I was asking earlier about the Blair Witch is in you know does a, a particular style because because you know I was looking at Blade Runner as a mashup of sci-fi and noir, in which made me think well, you know, if we're talking if that if that's legal. Uh, then stylistically shouldn't, you know, documentary style or found footage style also be a legal thing to jam in with something else and call it a mashup. Then before Blair Witch, you would you would have to say Cannibal Holocaust is a mashup. Cannibal, yeah. I yeah. mean, because that's your, I think, your first found footage movie, really. Even though it's not entirely found footage, but you know what I mean. Yeah. A lot of it is. Um and it's really gross. Yeah, no, but I I, I uh, mentioned Blair Witch because that's what turned that's what turned on the the spigot of uh, found footage and documentary style. Yeah, I would say it at least. I mean, I don't know. Is it a mashup if it because it invented a subgenre or a genre entirely? Because found footage like reached across genres ultimately. Well, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, because it also, you know, that, that type of documentary style and found footage style, you know, you know, went from, you know, horror to to drama to comedy. Uh, so, you know, is a, so I'm just, is that's just something I was, in, in terms of the discussion was, is that a valid, also a valid uh, thing, item to use as a, as a as a mashup qualifier or is it just specific is is just storytelling genre like sci-fi western right uh you know musical uh, well if you have a movie that's half comedy and half drama but it's two different stories and it's not a you know it's not a movie that it's it's a dramedy in its entirety it's one is a drama and one is a comedy is that a, a mashup if it's two different paralleled stories, like in Crimes and Misdemeanors? Well, yeah, Allen that would movie? be a question. That, that would be a question. I mean, you know, it might. It's yeah, it's difficult um, because a mashup isn't really a thing. So <laughs> to determine, uh, we're defining you know, something. What, this is important work. What the what the rules are, but uh, it seems to be it seems to be more like. Something becomes a mashup when it is a little bit more in your face obvious about it with its two different elements. Mm-hmm. So I think you can you can have so like something like crimes and misdemeanors might not feel like a mashup even though it has it's got its two you know particular tent stakes that it's that it's sticking together, um, but it's not doing it in a real like overtly in your face way. Mm-hmm. So that 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 would not make it a mashup. So it maybe like a, a a rule of qualifying to be a mashup is it also has to be very obvious what the two things are at all times, <laughs> right? Sure. No, but so like, but no, like Jason X is like it's clearly a sci- science fiction and horror at all times. Yeah. You know, so is Alien, and Blade Runner is very clearly sci-fi noir at all times. Charles no uh, Charles Band's Ghost Town is very clearly <laughs> uh, three things. It's a it's a, a cop movie and a ghost movie, 
and a Western. And sort of the, the cop movie and the ghost movie collide within a Western. So that's like a hell of a mashup. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's not, it's a Charles Band movie, so there's no subtlety. It's, this yeah, is what we're doing. That's, I think that's the key to something being a mashup rather than just kind of a blending of genre is it's got to be really overtly in your face about what it's mashing up, mm -hmm. what it's mixing. Um, and it's usually just two major things, although it can be more. Um, so, and, and I think, you know, and, but like I mentioned the Coen brothers earlier, and I think they kind of get away with technically doing a lot of mashup stuff, even being kind of in your face about it uh, a lot of times, but not, but their movies not quite being on that uh, level of uh, straight mashup, feeling like a straight mashup, right. which I think is really interesting about them. If uh, so, if the M Night, if there's an M Night Shyamalan esque twist at the end of the movie that makes you realize what you've been watching is entirely different, is that like a is that like a sneaky mashup? You know, like a like Pandorum with Dennis Quaid and and Ben Foster. <laughs> Where at the end you're like, oh shit! I thought I was watching this the whole time, and I've been watching this the whole time. No, I wouldn't call that a mashup because I think, like, like, like I established earlier, it has to be in your face with what it's mashing up from the get go. So it if it's just constantly reinforce that, if it's only in your face right at the end, that's not a mashup. That's just a yeah. I think that's just a twist. That's, a that's twist. just your that's just your regular your twist. Your basic R.L. Stein. Your standard your standard issue movie twist. Simple twist. Okay. Simple twist. Okay. So yeah, no, I think the mashup has to start by making it clear like this is these are the two things we're crashing into each other, uh, like chocolate and peanut butter. And it has to be and genres because you can't you wouldn't call AVP a mashup because it's a mashup of two franchises. Is that a mashup? Right, and and it would be, and that would be two. That would be two science fiction franchises. So you're you're really just doing one science fiction. But movie. one, but one franchise we've already defined started as a mashup. Actually, they both did. So now we have a mashup of two mashups. What is that? Well, I don't think I think. Well, in the case of AVP, it's not particularly anything because it's AVP. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, I meant AVP but, uh, but I, Requiem. <laughs> that's like a mashup of aliens and predators and, I don't know, just a small town that was cheap to shoot in or <laughs> whatever Requiem was. Uh, but, yeah, no, I don't think... Cause I, but I think... But, you know, AVP and Requiem, though, are also... Their element is primarily sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And primarily sci-fi action, mm -hmm. so it's not really, it's not really mashing up, uh, you know, it's not really doing much of a match. It's also kind of interesting too because we, you know, we seem to have accepted the mashup of sci-fi horror pretty readily, um, but a sci-fi action doesn't feel like it qualifies as a mashup. And I, I'm not sure why that is, uh, other than it just being arbitrary. Yeah. Um, or maybe we just feel like you know the science fiction genre is, is typically you know is is something you're gonna always see action in, mm -hmm. probably. Mm -hmm. And you know horror is an element that's not necessarily critical to a sci-fi, uh, you know, genre being successful. From dust. Till dawn. Is that a mashup what? or just two separate movies in one? Because you have you have a, a Tarantino crime movie that turns into a, a vampire. Uh, I would uh, I I wouldn't call that a mashup simply because it's like the crime stuff kind of had already has already happened when the movie starts, mm -hmm. and it's they're just. It's it's just the backstory of how they got 
to the place. Yeah, but the first half of the movie is a road movie. I mean, you don't see a vampire until they get to the titty twister. And it, it takes a good hour before you get there. I think, hmm, that's a good, that's a good question because then you get like, uh, you know, uh, there's, is, is it a valid mashup if it's one of the pillars for a first half and it completely changes its pillar for the second half and those pillars don't really meet? I'd say no, because you have to, to have a mashup, they have to mash. Yeah, they have to come together when it has to be at the get go. So this is yeah, from Dust so, Till Dawn. So it's I think another you could, twist. You could do like, yeah, you could do like a movie that is like a, you know, uh, like a like a thriller that turns into a horror. Mm-hmm. But if it's only a thriller for the first half and then a horror for the second half, I don't know if I'd call that a mashup. I think they would have to start as a thriller with horror elements and stay that way all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, this is a pointless uh, is <laughs> line in the sand to draw. Is something like uh, Tower Heist, if it's a heist and it's a goofy comedy, it's a heist movie and a goofy comedy at the same time, is that a mashup? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think if you're doing, like I said, like I think if you're doing a two spe- really specific things that are always in your face the whole time, like the heist is going on while well, there's also the goofy comedy going on. Um, that's the mashup uh, of those two things. Okay. I think it really does most of the time need to be just two things. And, you know, very occasionally it can be three things. But once you add, start adding more things, then you t- it does tend to dilute. The mashup. The mashup and the, and the, uh, the clear delineation and communication of like the, these are the two things that are always – you know, Look, uh, I st- in your face all the time. I stand by my assessment of Ghost Town. I mean, no, I think Ghost Town, Ghost Town is a, a arguable exception to the rule. Um, sure. Uh, what is Pontypool? What is that? Is that a mashup? I have no idea. Because it's a intimate one room, uh, very talky. Uh, drama about a guy you know coming to terms with himself while at the same time it's also a zombie movie yeah so that's why i ask i don't know i don't know the answer well that feels i can't remember is it like that does it maintain that uh that balance throughout the running time yeah it's that the whole time it's yeah yeah no i mean i think that would qualify definitely as a candidate um and there's no twist at the end. It's just you, the, the well. You can still you can still have it. There's not a mashup can have a twist. Well, all I'm saying is in this instance, there's no twist at the end. It's it's the only question is is it really happening or is it not? Because right. the only experience you have to go on is this guy who's by him like with one other person in a radio station in the middle of the night, just talking right, into right. a microphone and getting phone calls. So you don't know what is real and what isn't. But yeah, I think it's also it's like it's it gets a little more difficult to def- to define what a mashup is when you get away from. A certain handful of genres or styles like World War II, Western, science fiction, and horror because those those four in particular uh, have very narrowly defined parameters for how they get presented 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you when you get like a, you know, when you get like a, a science fiction movie, you got your spaceships, um, but then, you know, you land on a planet that's got a frontier town styling and everybody has that particular kind of imitation uh, old movie western style of speech, uh, you know, that that really screams out uh, what the what that particular genre is as opposed to something like a comedy, which can be very broad or very subtle uh and uh so sometimes that makes it a little more difficult to define if it's like oh we're matching up a comedy and you know well so many movies have their comedy subgenre um you know there's horror comedies there's murder mystery comedies that like the comedy itself is already mashed up with so many genres yeah it's hard yeah. to 
know whether to define anything that's comedic as this kind of mashup that you're talking about. I guess it, re- yeah, I guess it really feels like you know what's the what are the you know I I guess kind of what I was naming there are kind of the 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 classic four classic pillars that are most easily identified as a mashup with something. Maybe that's what this discussion is actually about. If if a movie is a, a, a drama, well, if it's got an L, if it's got a World War, II, if it's got a, it's either set like World War Two, um, it has, to or sp- you could probably do like a, or you could probably do like you know, you could probably set it wartime. You could probably do Vietnam or World War One or even Korea. Um, but World War Two, I think, is the most common mm-hmm. type of uh, war setting that then is is used for mashup purposes. Science fiction, uh, western. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the fourth one I said? Uh, horror. Yeah, horror. Yeah, of course. Even though horror is like comedy, has a whole bunch of subgenres. It still manages to. But it. But this is the weird thing about your definition of mashup is that comedy doesn't qualify for the same things that horror does. I just wonder why. I know. I so do I. I'm not really sure. I mean, I think you know. Um, I think it probably has a lot to do with that within the horror genre, and 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 when you're talking about when horror gets mashed up with something, mm-hmm. it usually follows some of the more basic tropes of horror mm-hmm. than some of the more subtle subgenres of horror. What if and 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 the more basic tropes of the the relentless pursuer. Uh, and and the and the jump scares and that kind of stuff are more broad and easily identified than maybe some levels of you know a little more subtlety or sarcasm and comedy. Right. Would you call um, the Devil and Miss Jones a mashup movie? I'd call it a mash with. <laughs> It's a it's a dramatic film about a woman who commits suicide, right. but it's got some supernatural horror elements to it. Yeah. So that's why I wonder. And if, fucking. And it's porno. So <laughs> and maybe this is another a three fur mashup that we might have. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm just I'm asking questions. I just want to understand. That's all. Well, it definitely is. I guess it's got a horror element in it. Uh. I don't know if I call it a mashup. It's got a fantasy element, but it's but it's a drama. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's a really good question, though. Yeah, I'm full of questions about porn movies. You're, yeah, you really you really thought that one out. Hey, look, I've been basically in my house since March. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's my question, though. Okay, is Ghostbusters a mashup? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it can't be because it's a comedy first. Yeah. I mean, you, like, I it's a comedy horror movie, not a horror comedy movie. And it's also kind of a sci-fi movie. Yeah. It's got a lot of elements, but this may be what you're saying, that there's too much. It muddies the waters too much yeah. in its, its yeah. own thing. Yeah. So what would you say, um, based on kind of the very loose and pointless rules for mashups uh, we've discussed so far, would might be your favorite uh, mashup movie or movies? Well, if Blade Runner is a mashup, then definitely that. I it's you know, even though it's like not it's mashing up a a genre and a style. It feels like both are so very clearly prominent every frame of the movie that you can't not think about Blade Runner as a noir movie mm. while you're watching it. Yeah. So that feels like a mashup to me. No, I don't I'll disagree. And, and Alien as well. I mean, I, I mm. think if I'm going beyond that, I'm definitely going to put Overlord on my list. Definitely going to put Ghost Town on my list. Um. I think there was one more, but I can't remember what what I said. Let me look it up. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, Blade Runner and Alien. Um, oh, it, it's uh, not necessarily one of my favorites, but the the straight to video Danny Trejo franchise, Dead and Tombstone. That's <laughs> that's got to be a mashup, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a it's a it's a go. 
I don't know if he's a demon or a zombie or a ghost or something, but it's in the but old it's West. Yeah, it's horror yeah. western, which is yeah. And that that seems to be a classic, classic mashup go to is the horror western. Well, there aren't that many western, though. The sci fi horror. The like how many horror westerns really are there? I'll bet. I mean, I'll bet there's a lot more and like you know that were straight to video. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch, but you know. but it's not. I'm I'm just saying it's not a huge subgenre. So I think it's its own mashup still. No, would you consider House Two a mashup? Oh, of like some like a concept that was good and a concept that's not good. <laughs> it's, it's just a mash. <laughs> it's just a mash. Like oh, we couldn't get Norm, so we'll get Cliff. We'll get Ratzenberger. And we'll call it spelunking. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> who who who's gonna play the best friend? Uh I don't know. Who's are you gross? Uh shit. <laughs> He's around. So yeah, so I think that's uh I think that's mashups because I don't who wants to hear about this anymore? I don't I'm over it. <laughs> it's totally, <laughs> totally over. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing else to we, say we... <laughs> on this dumb subject. <laughs> what do you? It uh, made what me you... happy for a minute. Like for it was fun <laughs> to talk about mashups. What have you? Uh, been watching anything on streaming? I've been watching a lot of stuff for uh, other shows I have to do. So much of my uh, watching time uh, in the last week, I watched uh, Mannequin, which is not something I would have revisited, but uh, it was interesting because it's, you know, it's a mashup. Speaking of a mashup, it's a mashup of the cast of Less Than Zero and Police Academy (laughs) smooshed together in this half-assed version of a Savage Steve Holland movie. That's what that is. Uh, so I watched that, uh, and it was fun. I enjoyed it a lot about it. Um, and then I watched uh, Zombie Beavers for the second time at the behest of a show. Um, ha- I like that it was for the second time. Well, is when I heard of the movie Zombie Beavers, yeah. no, that's, I was that, like, that's a kind of title that it doesn't matter what the content is. You're going to have to watch. Yeah, it. and that's not gonna. I know you, you specifically. That's like it's like the their whole it's like their whole marketing was like we only want to sell this on demand to one guy <laughs> and it's Todd. What should we title it? And the and the and the and the marketing uh, data came back. The all the uh, uh, focus groups came back with Zombievers. <laughs> it makes total sense. It's an hour and 17 minutes that you'll want to live again. That's all I have to say about Zombievers. <laughs> I enjoyed that. And then I watched a, a TV movie called, uh, for uh, my podcast, Jason and Todd Talk Through Lousy Films, called... Don't advertise your other shows on our, sh- on our show. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, it's a fun podcast. Yes. And the, the other show is my favorite shitty movie, which is a lot... I, I apologize. So rude. Uh, Unprofessional. I also do a podcast called the Toncast and <laughs> <laughs> And and were you gonna announce like four new podcasts? And uh, uh, you can listen that to you just thought of me and Lombardo Boyar uh, talking about <laughs> being out of work on two out of work actors bitching. Um, these are all and watch Blursh. Tune into Blursh on YouTube. <laughs> uh, these are all <laughs> these are all important things. But the movie I watched is called Intimate Agony, and uh, I, I... This isn't porno, or...? No, it's not a porno. It's a 1983 TV movie starring Judith Light and that guy who played Luke on General Hospital, and Mark Harmon's in it, and Robert Vaughn is in it. Um, really? Yeah, and it's um, it's like one of these... Like I, you know, they did those. I was a teenage runaway. I was a teenage alcoholic. Right, it was like right. kind of important movies of the week, and this is uh, a movie, you know, to raise awareness about herpes. <laughs> and it's hilarious because it's basic. It's Jaws. It the whole, <laughs> the whole narrative structure is Jaws, but instead of a shark, it's herpes. Oh, good God. And it, right down to the, like, mayor of the island town with the herpes outbreak is like, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Why are you publicizing that there's herpes everywhere? We we got to make money here. 
it's uh, it's fantastic. And you know, in the '80s, those TV movies they're so dramatic, and they have you know, they'll be like that pant, like a scene uh, with very little coverage between two people, and one just reveals I have herpes, and you may have been exposed to herpes, and the camera pans over. To and there's the, that slow push in. Yeah, the slow push in with the like yeah. wistful look, the sad look into the distance. <laughs> it's mostly that, and I. It was so much fun. And the patterns on the shirts, because it was 83, I, I can't recommend it. It's on Prime. You can look it up. It's right on Prime. 90 minutes, you'll thank me for it. That's that's worth your subscription to Prime alone right there. Right, right there. Watch it. Watch it. And and the great thing is is, is Mark Harmon is the, uh, is the herpes super spreader. Good God. He's like a... Mark Harmon, like the, the future uh, NCIS billionaire. <laughs> He's like a, he's like a former tennis pro who's stuck on this Hampton Island, teaching uh, tennis to middle-aged women and having sex with them all and spreading herpes around the island. <laughs> I, I honestly can't recommend it enough. I loved it. I actually did uh, watch Prospect again after I texted you about it, and it was on. I saw it was on Netflix. It's good. Who's in that? Pedro Pascal and who else? And uh, and one of the Duplass brothers, the the beardy one. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a no, it's good. It's a, I mean, it's, it's a you know sci-fi western flair kind of uh, story. Uh, it's got kind of a nice little. It's a little. It's it's a little. I you'll probably find it a little bit slow mm-hmm. uh, to get going, and then once it gets going, I think you'll get into it. Um, so it's got kind of that. It, it's almost. It almost has a little bit of little too mumble Corey in in Act One, mm-hmm. um, but then uh, when it kicks into gear, it gets a lot more fun and interesting. Um, who the hell is it? like Andre Royas? Rojas Ro- Ro- Royas? That uh, what the hell is it? His last name? I don't know. Uh, I always I always mangle his last name. Um, he's in it. Um, uh, I liked it. I enjoy it. I'll watch it. It's actually it's a nice low it's a low budget sci fi that's shot really well. That also mm. is really what uh, grabbed me about it is they did. I can't remember who the DP was, but uh, they uh, everybody they did a really really nice job of uh, making a very a clearly very low budget movie look uh, a lot nicer. Oh, that's uh, cool. Than, uh, than it was probably anyone expected it to. So it's got some really nice photography. No, I'll watch that. When that come out? It, I just showed up on Netflix. I mean, probably recently, but I just noticed it the other night. That's why I texted. He was like, "Hey, this is pretty." Uh, this is, I saw. I saw this because it came out. the The movie itself came out. I think like two years ago. Okay, like twenty eighteen maybe. Um, so I saw it around back then when it first was VODing on something, um, and uh, and and liked it. So that is that's cool. I recommend that if you got your Netflix, uh, and then. Uh, and then when I couldn't sleep, I watched Moonraker. Oh, so it's and then I f- Moonraker. I fell right to sleep. Moonraker really gets better with every viewing. <laughs> it's it's so haphazard. Yeah. Like even for a James Bond movie, it's a mess. Uh, like it's just like what is going on here? <laughs> That's why I like it. Like, yeah. I like my Bond movies to make as little sense. Like, A View to a Kill is one of my favorites. It's just, it doesn't make any sense the whole time. Oh, yeah. That's the one with Walken, right? Yeah, and the, he's on a where blimp. Ta- where he sneaks up on Tanya Roberts in a blimp. Because <laughs> yeah. if you have, you guys, if you have not seen A uh, View to a Kill, Tanya Roberts, like, and it's not her, like, <laughs> She, she's written as one of the dumbest people I've ever seen in film. That she does not notice when a slow-moving blimp, like as as if there's a fast-moving blimp, um, but when a blimp sneaks up on her. But if anyone can sell that kind of stupidity, yeah, it's Tanya Roberts. No, no, she's she's working, she's doing her job in that movie, but it is thankless. Yeah, that's rough. It's absolutely thankless. Yeah, yeah. She was good in that. Uh, was it Shira? Sheena. Sheena. She was Sheena. Sheena, queen yeah. of the queen of queen of the jungle. Queen of the jungle. Yeah, she's good in that. Yeah, 
but yeah so yeah that makes no sense view to kill makes no sense moonraker makes no sense oh and they're decommissioning the arecibo observatory oh i heard about that yeah so uh, gold uh, something now, fell well, through it and they, it cost yeah. a million dollars well no the the a... cables were all are wearing out and snapping no but i so, heard something on the bbc about that satellite and something literally like the cables came undone and something fell into the satellite tearing it open Oh, yeah, well, no, that's what happened before one of the cables snapped and tore into the dish, and they were trying to figure out how to fix it, and then ex- inspection of the other cables was like, these things are in bad shape, and it's un- unsafe for people to get up there and try and fix this, so we're going to have to just tear it down. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, so GoldenEye no more. Or just in- enjoy GoldenEye and respect the filmmakers for understanding how to utilize a great location that... Yeah. wouldn't always yeah. be great you know it's yeah it's, you could do that too you could do that too I guess. it's just like fast five and rio <laughs> all right we have we're, we're we are way 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 out of exit music <laughs> thanks for listening everybody Bye. uh hopefully there'll be a christmas miracle in december if not uh you know whatever we'll figure something who out. cares <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>